0: You are listening to The League of Unextraordinary Gentlemen with Brent and Jerry. <coughs> oh, it's unextraordinary. God dang, but what? Of course, it makes sense now. Thought it was a little braggy at first, but now I read it correctly and it's unextraordinary. See what they did? See what they did with the thing and the on at the beginning? I get it. Get it now. Boy, it's a whole new twist on it there. I gotta gotta sort of mentally prepare for the the comedy stylings of the un at the beginning of the word. A podcast about writing by two guys who never have. Uh, this is the first episode of the League of Unextraordinary Gentlemen. I'm Jerry. And I'm swallowing my cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I caught you off guard there, didn't I? A little bit. I'm Brent. Um, of course, as uh, the voiceover Scott Fletcher guy said... Uh, we are unpublished authors uh, trying to make our way in the world, and, and uh, we thought about doing a podcast to, to kind of document the struggle and the trials of actually doing your own book and novel and trying to implement all the great ideas all the professionals give us, uh, in addition to giving our own views on the publishing world and, and the future of books and so forth. Uh, so that said, uh, Brent, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself, and then I'll go into it, what you want to write and what you uh, are interested in and so forth.
1: What I want to write is just about anything that entertains people. What I tend to write a lot of is uh, science fiction and fantasy, especially the high fantasy that is kind of like my forte, probably from uh, running role-playing games and the like. I also like to bring a lot of humor into my writing. Uh, there's a few authors out there like uh, John Scalzi who are, are known for that, and uh, I want to be known for that. I want my writing to be entertaining and fun. And what are you? What, what's uh, without revealing as much plot or story as you want? What are you writing right now? Well, my current project is thinking about what I'm writing, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what I'm actually trying to write is a, uh, a story set in the Fairy Realms with uh, a, young, a young boy who finds himself there, doesn't really know why he's there, and he seems to be a lot more capable of heroic type things while he's there. And uh, you know, without going into the plot, there's uh, obviously there's a, a good versus evil kind of thing going on there, and there's you know, villains behind the scene. And uh, at the same time, I want to bring out the, the difference between the way the fairies think in the fairy world and the way we think in our normal world, and uh, hopefully you know, make those differences entertaining so that people can see how different people think. Because that's kind of like the, the core of science fiction and fantasy, is finding people that think like us, but differently.
0: And uh, I'm Jerry. I write mainly science fiction and fantasy, as Brent does. Uh, but my current project is a, a, a spy thriller, I guess, just thriller in general, based off my uh, military experience and uh, my current work, uh, my professional job. And uh, I had to back, sh- I had to shelve my fantasy novel, which is, is despite my my best efforts, is turning into an epic, which I don't feel I'm very trained or qualified to write at the moment. So. I'm going to take a book for the from the Brandon Sanderson page and, and try to get something under my belt before I tackle an entire epic while working on the, the backstory for the epic, putting it together and, and figuring out how I'm going to organize it a little bit. Uh, so that's a little bit about us, and, and we'll talk about our projects over time and how it's going, but uh, uh, we, we were having an interesting discussion before this about uh, the, the world of ebooks and publishing and what, what's going on with it. So what, uh, what we've noticed between us is that self-publishing is becoming big. If you've lived under a rock for a while, you haven't noticed that. But a lot of authors, uh, independent authors, are making some real money off of that, and it's becoming more and more uh, worth your effort to give it a shot. Uh, letting, and as J.A. Conrath has said, letting your readers become your critics and, and your, uh, your word of mouth if you're good or not. And If they buy it, they're, you're good, and if they don't, you're not. And You need to improve, take their advice, and move on. But uh, there have been some problems, apparently. Uh, Brent, you were talking a little bit about that.
1: Right now, Amazon is uh, currently experiencing a huge problem with spam. Uh, people are publishing hundreds of uh, fake or copied ebooks uh, every day. So that means you know several hundred of these people doing it means anywhere from thousands to ten thousands of bogus books being dumped onto the Kindle store. These people, um, they copy a book, give it a new cover uh, with Photoshop, or just copy another cover and slam them together and put it out there under a new category. Uh, Usually under a dozen different categories, just trying to get the market. They price them at 99 cents. It costs them absolutely nothing to do it, except for uh, a few seconds of time, and there's uh, there's actual ebooks out there to teach you how to publish 100 books a day, and it's clogging up the Kindle store so that people are having to page through thousands of bogus books to find the books they're looking for, and sometimes it's hard to tell. Sometimes right. you may find a really good book, it just yeah. doesn't happen to be underneath the actual author that wrote it. It's under one of these bogus publishers. And some of these are, are like taking copies of web pages from eHow
0: and About.com and giving them a, a little bit more flashy title and
1: lowering the price to 99 cents. And so i oh, I'll give it a shot. Yep. And a lot of it's copyrighted works that were uh, published originally in print. You know, they were out there scanned or something. Uh, the quality is not that interesting. Once they have your 99 cents, they don't care whether you dislike it or not because they're not going to publish under that money. name. Ever yeah, because ever. all these e-stores don't give refunds.
0: Right. And, and I'll tell you, you know, that's it, that's kind of a... Black Eye for the e-publishing world and the independent author. But there's another side to it. Is all those stores let you do a sample download. And if you're a reader who's interested, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I go to a bookstore, I just don't grab a book, look at the cover, and say, ah, that's good stuff, I'm going to get this. I flip through. I might read the first chapter. Or I might read about the author. I'm all, I might take a selection of all his books and check the whole, see if, if it's just a fluke one book or if all of his books are really good. And if you aren't taking that first download to get a sample of the first page or chapter that Amazon and the iTunes store give you, and even Barnes & Noble, uh, you're kind of just giving your money away in the first place.
1: Right. And that will stop a lot of the uh, you know the bad scans and things like that. But uh, it really doesn't prevent the, the copyrighted works where somebody simply copies True. something put it into a new category.
0: Well, they have to. Yeah, because well, if you're talking about taking a, a printed book, like let's just say the Aeneid and you're going to try to make some bucks off of it giving it a different title uh, you actually have to do some work a little bit more work than just downloading and turning it into ePub so even by the look of the book if it's not professionally laid out and looking perfect in fact this is an argument against independent publishers because some of those authoring tools you you have to really work hard to get them to Format your book correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, even Scrivener, which uh, which we'll talk about down the road a bit, but is the tool you and I both use, even its output as an EPUB is not exactly 100% perfect. You you actually have to get some know-how know-how to make it format to each of the different devices you eventually want your readers to use your book for. Right. So you even just by looking at the first, just looking at the, how it's formatted, you can tell if this guy's a hack or not. Yeah,
1: and uh, even once that's done, the problem is that people are taking, you know, well-published ebooks, putting a different cover on them, putting it in a different category, and then publishing those as well. So sample downloads will catch a lot of the stuff, but still won't catch all of it. Uh, I think it will be solved eventually. I mean, there's no way that, that Amazon can let it keep going. Um, spam filters and stuff like that aren't the way to go. The reason. I think that is happening is because it costs nothing to publish. They put a nominal fee on there, like, you know, five bucks to publish a book. Well, all of a sudden, you've got to sell six copies to make a dollar.
0: Well, so, you know, and, and it's been my personal belief that the internet has not changed, brought new problems to us like this, this massive spam, book spam problem. If that's the appropriate term, it's not new. We've got that now, in my opinion, with those, uh, uh, books for Dummies. mean yeah. that spam is what that is. Just you know, put a lot of stuff down on page and, and start pumping it out. Granted, there's a publishing arm, there's an editor behind it, so there's an audience. But there's an audience for everything if you look hard enough. Uh, so we have that to some extent today. Harlequin romance could be accused of the same thing, although I, I know there's a ton of romance fans
1: out there. Right. Yeah, I think uh, as far as it concerns us, our big thing. is that we want to, to make sure we don't get caught as spam. You know, we want to make sure our stuff gets published very professionally, the way it looks when we e-publish it. Um, but we also want to make sure that somebody doesn't just take it and say, hey, that's not bad. Let's make 42 different copies and shove it into all kinds of different genres and see if we can make a dollar."
0: True, true. So how do you, so with this, uh, even with the spam problem, talking specifically about eBooks. Uh, there's also a lot of talk about how bookstores are going to die. Uh, and my thought on that is, is not necessarily true. Um, I think that big box bookstores like Barnes & Noble, Walmart possibly, and other ones that, that try to sell cheap books, physical books, are going to go. But you're independent down
1: on in the street bookstore, not necessarily. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I was always uh, surprised to find out that you know, like Walmart's and and Meijer and Kmart's, you know, with their little teeny book sections, were top book sellers in the industry. I uh, never, you know, I, I always thought they were token sales, but they grab all those bestseller books, and that's what people go out and buy, and they buy them at their grocery stores. And uh, so, I'm not sure how that's gonna really go. Um, I think a small independent bookstore is always going to have uh, its niche market. It's not going to have huge amounts of overhead. Its marketing is going to be either done by the author and publisher of the book or by word of mouth, so they don't have a huge marketing budget. And uh, they don't have any requirements to stock books beyond what they want to stock and what their customers ask for.
0: Right. And I think the, the place for a... Uh, on-the-street bookstore, or for a corner bookstore, is uh, they can focus on community more. I mean, there's one here that's just kind of gangbusters about it. Um, and, and its name is ex- escaping me now. But it has a steampunk theme. Off uh, the Beaten Path. Off the Beaten Path, that's yeah. the name of the store. And uh, she does a lot more than just pump books. Granted, I think now bookstores got to have coffee shops and, and a little luncheon place that you can have a lunch or maybe a, a light dinner at. That's probably a given nowadays. But more importantly, I think uh, they become the social hub for literary individuals. You know, if, if you could, I mean, here's, here's the number one problem I'm having with uh, e-books now, probably related back to the spam problem. I can't find everything I want. I'm, I'm not getting uh, new books introducing me to something a little bit different than, than what I'm going to focus on. I'm probably going to focus on new author and, or the same author and the same kind of stuff, and if there's nothing, I'm going to go months without reading a book. Whereas I go into a bookstore, the owner knows me. His job or her job is to make sure they are fully encompassing the entire world of books and that entire genre. I walk in, we've built a rapport, and they're going to say, Hey, you know what? I know you like that, but check out this one. And, right. and even if they're not getting a sale on the ebook, the point is, is I go into the store for that. I go into the store for this. And I might buy only a cup of coffee or my lunch. Or I, he's gonna and say, you know what? I read a great ebook. You might want to check it out. And then then he says, oh, you know what? They, this author doesn't do ebooks yet, but check out this physical copy too.
1: Right. I think um, what you're running into when you run into those smaller stores, just like the the smaller coffee shops that are you know push out Starbucks and the other big ones, is you're they're not selling books. They're selling customer service. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you walk into the store, it's like you're you're getting the service. You can buy that book anywhere. If you're if you're looking for a book, you can go on Amazon and get it at you know whatever percent off. Um, you can go to some other site and get it at a discount. You can you know buy a copy of the book however you want. Walmart, you know your, your grocery store, whatever. If you're just looking for that book, if you're looking for a reading experience, you know something beyond that book then the customer service of a small store helps, and that is where e-publishing um, is kind of hurting, because uh, online book sales don't do that right now either. Uh, like if I go to Amazon, and somebody tells me about this great book, and I find it on Amazon, that's what I looked for, that's what I'm gonna find, that's all it's gonna do. Uh, I think it, you know it's gonna pop up, it's like people that bought this also bought this, but you know, it's liable to you know, bring up soap. As, as well as a related book by that author or the genre. Um, so it's hard to tell. And I don't know those people that also bought it, so I'm not going to think about them. You know, I don't really give them much credence. Um, when I'm online looking for a book, that's all I'm going to do is I'm going to find that book. I'm not going to find anything else. Small store, you know, I've got shelves. Similar books are going to be around that. And you know, the service is, is stocking the book. The service is saying... Hey, you're interested in that book. You might like this one too. Right, Um, and cross genres even. And cross genres. Uh, One of the other things that you find out, especially in uh, the online ones, it's it's difficult to even find books in a series. If you find the second book in a series, you know you say, "Oh, I want to buy all the books in the series." You have to know all the titles. Right. Uh, Or you have to search by the author and figure. It's like, what if he's got four different series? You can't tell because the the one of five, two of five, three of five, that kind of thing gets published on a cover in a print book, and the people in the bookstores are going to say, oh yeah, this is part of the series, but online, not so much, you don't run into that. And I remember, uh,
0: I grew up in a very small little town, and every day after school, I, I sat by the library until the one stationery store, selling papers, pens, that kind of thing, decided to do a bookstore. They opened up in the basement down there and they had a very small bookshelf, but they were doing special order kind of stuff at first. And I ended up staying there until my parents got out of work and would pick me up. Um, So, but I'd spend two or three hours down there talking to the manager, this new manager of of this new little bookstore. And it eventually got to the point, this is why this idea of mine of these becoming these social hubs now where they can as long as bodies get into the store and you can sell them a product. Might not be what you want to sell them, but you can sell them a product because you got them in uh that's what this store became i used to go there and and because it was growing and i was the only science fiction fan that they knew i started they started giving me the catalogs and if i wanted to read a book they'd or if they could get the the uh, distribution house to send them one copy i'd get the one copy to read and sure enough over time they began to stack the things that the readers wanted i was young i was a teenager i had no idea what the bestseller list was um, but I knew what I liked, and I knew what my friends liked, and eventually that's how it started. And eventually the manager and I don't even know if this even know if this bookstore's still around. Uh, tells you how much I've been home, but uh, that's what they used to do. They used to stock books based on what their what people wanted, and then it became a place to hang out and talk about the books and talk about reading. And, and you know then you were then the the manager would say, you know what, you guys like these four books. Try this one because I just read it and it's brilliant. They began right. to know us, and and. I'm not
1: getting that with ebooks. I'm getting very stodgy, very one-path oriented. Yeah, but on the other hand, why can't we have that? Why can't we have a website that's administered by people that works more like, uh, like a, a Yahoo group or a Facebook group or something like that, where you have a small tight-knit community and they recommend books to each other and... Uh, link to ebooks and, you know, that gets linked to... Oh, you're website. talking about a reader's club then, really, is what you're talking about, basically. But one that's tied to uh, a website so that, you know, what's published on the website, you could click on that link, it'll take you to wherever you can buy that ebook. Right, 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 right. Because um, those could be supported by authors. It's like, uh, much like book signings and stuff, it would take uh, a lot less effort to visit a chat room or a live chat Now, does to drive to a bookstore.
0: Now, if someone's listening to this is going to say,
1: oh, guys, Amazon does this
0: already. If you, you click on a book, you look down here, what other readers also bought. Yeah, that doesn't do it because Amazon's algorithm is pretty flawed. Just because right. someone bought it and they also bought that book doesn't necessarily mean I want to read it. Right. I liken this, liken kind of what you're saying to what uh, m- some people probably don't know it because it's been... It's gone for a couple years, but Lala Music, lala.com. Uh, you got a vast music library online. And what it did was, in kind of Pandora fashion, it found other like, like music based on something. I, I don't think anybody really figured out how they were doing it. But it would then say, hey, you know, you might like these 15 songs. And by consequence, it would just tell you what other users had those songs so that maybe you would friend each other in a Facebook kind of way and create a little network. So you were introduced or exposed to music. It might be outside your genre, or but it was close enough to your library to make the thing, and, and you're kind of saying the same thing. You like these books. Maybe you'll like these as well. And it's not based on how many people bought it. It's not based on anything else that someone liked it 50 million times. It's based
1: on your your history and what you might like. Right, and where Amazon always just looks at shopping history, they don't look at you as a person. Right. right? Um, like if I went to a, a community website for hard science fiction, they're not going to say, hey, you bought a children's book, so let me tell you about children's books, which is, you know, that Humps comes up on Amazon. It's like, I buy gifts. When I'm looking for a book for myself, I don't really need, you know, how the wild things are or where the wild things are. Yeah, Just exactly. because I bought it for a gift doesn't mean I want it forever. Yeah, it's like, it's part of my history now. It's like, this is part of your interest. No, it's not. It was a gift for somebody. Right. Um,
0: so uh we uh for our listeners in the future going forward we're going to keep these podcasts at 30 minutes uh we'll have vast more discussions on ebooks and where self-publishing is going these days as it slowly develops uh but uh let's let's talk a little bit about uh, our current projects uh brent how are you doing on your writing now
1: oh i'm doing great i'm thinking about my writing (laughs) still thinking about it huh yeah i find uh I find it very easy to make notes about what I want to write as opposed to actually getting the writing down.
0: Well, that's because uh, you you started this new project uh, so you're I would argue in this very new story that you're you're trying to fill out plot and and
1: where it's going beyond the the dream you had yeah but still I would like to like to know that I can at least write a scene or two out there. And it's like, hey, that makes a lot of sense. This is really cool. I want, you know, the whole book is going to feel like this. Well, why don't you just write that first scene, like we talked about last week,
0: uh, before the podcast mm-hmm. idea. Why don't you just write that scene where the kid wakes up and just see where it goes with you. Even if it's complete garbage and you worst you did was waste an yeah. hour. Well, you
1: know, I've written that first sentence or two uh, at least ten times.
0: Okay, so and then I
1: start saying, "Oh, wait, but that's a good idea for later over here." And then I start manipulating my notes, and and pretty soon the hour or two that I was going to spend writing is gone. Then, then I guess the challenge is to get uh, a scene written for next week. All right, all right, we will do that. I will write a scene that I can share with our listeners,
0: whether or not it's good.
1: Well, that's not going to be.
0: Well, that's the point. Then. First drafts are never good. No, they should never be good, is, is, yeah. as we are, are so fully informed.
1: They can be okay and show lots of potential, which is what I'm going for.
0: Right, right. Uh, so anything else uh, stumbling the block, or, or are you just, I mean, let's put it this way. Are the notes you're making productive? Are
1: they going to help build something for, for the book? Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes uh, I feel like I'm, you know, building the pyramids block at a time. Other times I think, uh, I feel like I'm just rearranging my Legos. Um. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> rearranging my Legos. Yeah, that's what it. That's what it feels like. Um, like you know, anything could come of this, but nothing is. So uh, we'll see at some point if I can use my notes to actually create the scene or scenes. Uh, then yeah, definitely it's going somewhere. But if, I just, uh, if I'm really good at creating the framework to write a book and not writing a book, well, that, that's not particularly a good skill.
0: Well, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I told you uh, kind of part of my experiment. With the epic I wrote, I'm writing, uh, I, uh, I am doing it more as a, I say I'm more of an uh, exploratory writer, meaning that I kind of have an idea, I write down some notes, and then I go for it and crap happens, sometimes more literally than I would like. Uh, my characters will go on whimsical ways, and sometimes I find them amusing, and that, hey, that might actually work out for the story. That was a pretty good idea. Um, but other times it's frustrating because the story just becomes inconclusively long. Inconclusively. What the? That makes no sense. The story becomes unwieldy. It becomes too long. Um, so with with the burning idea I had for this thriller of mine, this kind of military spy thingy uh, I decided to take a different track and I outlined it to death and I still have much more detail I could add but I didn't want to lose the moment so I started writing and I keep adding to the outline more and more detail and I'm finding that messing with those notes actually helps a lot to where all I'm needing to do is filling in the blanks constructing sentences in between you know the the one and twos
1: of the of the outline. Yeah. So yeah. I do that too, but it it all happens in my head. I seem to Oh yeah, put it on paper. See, that's the thing. I seem to have this disconnect between the brain cells and the nerve cells at the end of the finger. I and mean, so my arms aren't that long, but it just it seems to be difficult to make that journey sometimes. Alright, so now we've got an audience out there. Yeah. Or we might I <laughs> uh, will have an audience. They, they may be forced to listen to it at first. <laughs> so, so I guess you've made them a promise to John something for them next week. Yes, I will have something for our mythical audience. <laughs> uh, Maybe you could write an audience for us. Oh yeah, I could write all about our. I could write a story about our audience listening to the podcast. <laughs> How meta can we get here?
0: <laughs> uh, well,
1: what else has been going on? What else uh, can we add to this show? Well, in our uh, three minutes and 14 seconds left, what can we (laughs) handle? And it's like, this is a pretty good rehearsal, right? Hey, wait, wait, what's that little red light for? (laughs) Uh, What do we add? Well, upcoming things would probably be a good thing, things we want to talk about. Uh, I think we can spend some time on those roadblocks. Why am I having trouble getting it from my brain to my fingers? I'll
0: tell you, you have more roadblocks than I thought I had. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've, yep, and so
1: we, that's a good one, because I haven't experienced some of the ones you talk about. Yeah, see, my roadblocks are on the freeway. I don't often <laughs> plod around on the back roads, getting my way to the story. It's like when I get moving, I'm moving at freeway speed, and then I stop. and my roadblocks, I have two little kids that, and, and, an, and, an, and an energy
0: Energetic. In an energy-draining job. Oh, energy-draining job. So so when I come home, I'm wiped out. It's all I can do to open the laptop, let alone do
1: anything else. Yeah, so we can discuss our roadblocks. Uh, That's not really that productive, so we should probably... No, no, it is, because how many other aspiring authors out there might have the same problem? Yeah, but what we want to do is we want to say this is how we get past our roadblocks. Yeah, but we're beginners, so if we got past them, we'd be published. Well, you know, we can't get past all of them, but we can say, hey, this is what we're going to try to get past the roadblocks. Like, you know, oh, what's working? What's not working? Yeah, we're going to go with the challenge motif. You know, got uh, got a week here to try and put together a scene. Um, So that'll be that'll be one of our possibilities, and uh, we can work on things like that. So we can spend like 20 minutes on particular set of roadblocks and maybe 10 minutes on brainstorming Mm -hmm. solutions. Yeah. Maybe our audience, you audience people, you can write in or call in or what other fashion you know. Oh, yeah, put call something we can, uh, skywriting. We can we can get a, a,
0: a Google Voice number for the podcast, so if people want to leave us messages, yeah, that might
1: work. Yeah, you can and do call that. in and give us suggestions other than where to show things. <laughs> right, right. Those <laughs> suggestions we don't need that from our, our family and co-workers. Or from agents who say, yeah, don't send me your stuff. Yeah, we don't need to know how insane we are. We already know that.
0: Well, we've got uh, one minute remaining, and as we said, we're going to try to
1: keep this to a 30-minute podcast. Uh, I'm Jerry. And I'm Brent. Thanks. Wait, do I need to, I need a multi-syllable name, because we, we still have a good 30 seconds left. I need Brent. Yeah, okay. That's <laughs> not that <laughs> how much we can do see and you can imagine how our novels are going to be if we're just searching for filler in 30 minutes exactly so uh, I pity you all for trying to read our books eventually one day Yeah, well they may be better because this is uh, everybody speaks in first draft <laughs>
0: everybody speaks in first draft yep you feel our pain so thank you very much for listening and we are going to cut it short talk to you see you guys next week See you next week.